0: This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, we have a really special guest joining us to help you know, analyze the ongoing games of IPL and maybe the trend towards where IPL is going and who might win it. I would like to introduce our guest, Gulkirat Singh Gil. Hello, Gulkirat. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket. Hi, hi Ajit.
1: Uh, good to be here. I, I always say this on whichever podcast or platform that i go uh, where i have to talk about cricket. that talking of cricket is something that i can do any point of time in the day it's it's something that that drives me and uh, i sorry for this shameless plug but uh, i run an instagram page whose bio i have written that life takes a pause when cricket happens and uh, in, in such uncertain times, especially, you know, in India where uh, the COVID second wave has is, is been pretty much devastating, uh, life has genuinely taken a pause and if it not been for cricket and anything and everything related to cricket, uh, I, I don't know how I would have been managing uh, my own mental health at this point of time. So cricket is something that has been, uh, you know, more than a sport for me. It's, it's, it's been something which has taught me a lot more than what I could have learned in a classroom. Uh, it has taught me about a lot of virtues which you hear about in moral science books and classes, but you only get to learn when you play that sport. You know, things like teamwork, being selfless, uh, being dedicated, determined, dedication, all the, all the virtues that you talk of, you know, in, in order to be successful. So yeah, uh, cricket is pretty much, you know, uh, if not more than, half of my personality and then everything else is, you know, uh, is revolves around it. Uh, probably 10 to 20% of it is just being a Punjabi and then 30% is what is left or uh, what you what you learn from your society and everything. So that's about it for, uh, as far as I'm concerned.
0: That's fantastic to hear you break it down into how much you know, cricket means for you in terms of a percentage. I, I would find it tough to put a number on it or put a percentage on it. You know, before we go any further... You did say you learnt a lot of good things from cricket, but is cricket really a gentleman's game these days?
1: No, it isn't. It isn't. And I I think we also need to move away from this uh, this tag that it's a gentleman's game. We need to understand that it came at a point uh, when it was quite an elite sport. I wouldn't say it still isn't if you look at the number of countries that played. But in the countries where the sport is played, there isn't a lot of elitism amongst the masses that play. If you look at a country like India, it's probably the biggest uniting force, you know, amongst the diverse, diverse demographic that you have. Uh, so, in fact, not only India, if you look at the uh, Asian subcontinent, so uh, it's it's not a gentleman's game anymore. It, uh, it, we we have to move away from that elitist or the classist term. Also, a lot of in a lot of countries, the women are doing very well. Unfortunately, uh, Indian women are not playing as much as what others are doing, but they are also not far behind if you look at their previous performances. In 2017, they reached the finals of the uh, ODI World Cup. Uh, In in 2018 and in 2020, they they reached the semis and the finals of the World t 20 So, it's no longer a gentleman's game. I would like it to become a universal game somewhere down the line. I hope uh, the move to play it in uh, Commonwealth Games and in other, sp- uh, other such games is a step forward to it. And I would hope that this game becomes a lot more inclusive than what it is right now and it reaches far and beyond the Asian subcontinent and uh, and Europe. Uh, I would like it to spread far and wide in, in Africa and not just be restricted to two or three countries in Africa. And I would like this sport to be played you know, in the Americas as well. As of now, there is only the West Indies that play it regularly. Uh, the U.S. Uh, pop, the pop, the people in the U.S. know about the sport because of the Indians that are there, but uh, they they still don't have a prof, proper professional team, which they can. So, a lot of potential is there in the sport, but we need to get rid of the term the gentleman's game. It is no more a gentleman's game.
0: We also have gentle ladies playing it, but above and beyond all that, definitely there was a. There was a connotation of the period in which this phrase was probably invented, as you say. Gentleman's game, Victorian, sounds very Victorian and probably it was. I mean, for example, when it comes to things like the bunker, they, they, they have a place in today's cricket. But the gentleman's concept of playing the game probably does not allow for it. I mean, what the modern world is all about taking every opportunity you can and more, right? So it's very interesting when you look at all of these things. But, you know, coming to what you said about Indian women's cricket an IPL specifically, right? So the Women's t20 Challenge looks to be postponed, uh, Is that a good development, do you think?
1: There's one thing that that is quite disappointing with regards to uh, women's cricket in India is that even after 13 years uh, since the inception of the first IPL in 2008, we still don't have a proper women's league. We we need that to happen because that will give us a lot more Shifadi Vermas that are already, that might be there in Indian cricket. And uh, see... When you have a population of 1.3 billion people, you are bound to get talented people. They only need that opportunity. And if you look at the IPL's logo and the motto, it is talent meets opportunity. So there's obviously talent, but women's cricket Mm. in India needs that opportunity to showcase that talent. And with the women's IPL, such talents like Shifali Verma will only come to the fold. Uh, A lot of people know Preet Kaur because of her innings in 2017 but she was also a part of india's world cup squad in 2013 when the world cup was held in india and she played a brilliant innings against england scored a brilliant 100 at uh, at the Brabon stadium so uh, you know it's disappointing that bcci hasn't taken that cause forward and uh, yeah it's, it's it's unfair why why the women's t20 challenge has been postponed but uh, you know really can't complain at this moment uh, the fans would be hard done by but overall, the BCCI needs a better approach towards women's cricket without
0: a doubt. You are absolutely right that uh, this specific topic of women's cricket is really neglected as far as Indian cricket and Indian women's cricket is concerned because I think women's cricket really took a big blow when it came to all this time of corona and these quarantine times, let's say. But to see that such a lot of impact has been dealt to the Indian women's cricket is very disheartening. If you are a women's cricket fan and an Indian women's cricket fan in general, right? So, look, I think it's very surprising that the BCCI does not embrace the concept of women's cricket all out, where they say we'll have double-headers and we'll hold at least one half of the tournament. I'm sure they can hold a women's tournament where there are double-headers, right? And um, I think it's more to do with the way our society functions by ours, I mean, the Indian society, because at times if you look at bbl they started bbl right away with women's and men's the 100 that's going to at least we expect it to start later this summer we'll start with the women's and men's directly so new zealand some of these so-called um, air quotes first world countries actually already have a well-fledged women's program up and running and probably at least in some countries i hear a women's program is as competitive if not more competitive than the men's game so in my time i would like to really see this happen
1: not only that, if, if you if you look at it, from last March 2020, when India played the final of the World T20, since then till now, the Indian women's team have only played one series. And that was against South Africa, five ODIs and three T20s. Out of which, one of the T20s was held alongside the same time the Indian men were playing the English side. And uh, that happened with one of the ODIs as well. So it's it's, it's disappointing how, how the priorities are not there and you know a lot of people say that it's not there because the money isn't there etc etc see uh, to to make anything grow you need to have that investment and uh, bcci with the funds that they have they're never going to lack those resources they can obviously put in some money into the women's cricket and make it make a very robust system for the women's cricket as well so, so the two teams that india have lost to in the in the last three ICC World Tournaments, that are England and Australia, who already have a very good women's uh, T20 League. The Austra- Australia have the women's uh, BBL and uh, England also have that T20 Blast. I think it's the, it was the Kia T20 League. Now the name has been changed. So you also sort of understand how much this is related to to a robust system. Uh, there's a reason why uh, in, uh, Indian women's team have, have struggled to perform under pressure on the bigger stage. While Australia
0: and England don't. Absolutely, I mean, I'm worried that uh, just like there sometimes you see in the men's cricket, there is a clear distinction that there are four or five teams in the upper part of the first tier, and the rest of them are below them. I mean, I'm worried the Indian women's team have suffered the same fate there in the second half of the top tier. If anything, even when it comes to women's cricket, this was clear when we saw. Uh, South Africa, when they visited uh, India and they played against the Indian women's team, I saw there was a huge difference. It was not the talent, it was the practice. It was the the ease with which the uh, South African women were playing. I mean, mean, this is a very long topic and quite a painful one as far as I'm concerned. So, I would like to park it if you don't mind. Let's move on to the IPL. If we were to take a look at um, the IPL that's ongoing. So, first of all, I mean, before we start discussing this, you have a favourite team at all, Gurkirath, and do you think uh, who do you think uh, you have been supporting from the inception of IPL, at least let's start from there.
1: So, uh, I'm a Delhi boy, and when the IPL started, Virinda Seva was the icon player, then Delhi went on to sign Gautam Gambhir. Apart from that, there were other names, there was uh, Amit Mishra who was a part of the team, there was Glenn, uh, Glenn McGrath who was there, there was Shoy Malik, there was Mohammad Asif, there was A.B. De Villiers. There was Harbiz Maroof. There were quite a few players who were who, were, who were a part of the squad. I think the Delhi Daredevils squad in the first three seasons was one of the strongest. In 2009, I'd say that the 2009 Delhi Daredevils team probably remains to be the strongest squad or the strongest side not to win the IPL. They had the likes of Manoj Tiwari, Vitun Manas in the reserves. Dinesh Karthik was there. And David Warner, Daniel Vittori, all these players were there. So, De- I think Delhi had a top order of uh, Gautam Gambi, David Warner, Vejantra Sevaag, E.P. De Villiers, Dilakratne Dilshan was there and it was followed by uh, Dinesh Karthik. And then you had Dirk Nanus, who was there in that side as well, uh, along with Amit Mishra. Then there was Sa- Pradeep Sangwan who was doing well, a left-arm seamer. Ashish Nehra came into the side in 2009. So, there was a lot to like about that side and uh, them performing well, obviously you know allow uh, helped me and motivated to stick with them but then after those three seasons the first three seasons there was a lot of uh, downward curve apart from the good season in 2012 where they uh, finished third where i thought that they could have even gone the distance uh, they they've been they were under par and disappointing and even underwhelming uh, but since the name change in 2019 they've done well again third in 2019 second in 2020 hopefully first this year I still don't think that they've you know, uh, performed as per their capability and uh, their capacity in this season. They have won 5 games out of 7. But uh, there was no reason for them to lose those 2 games because they are a better side than that. And uh, the fact that they've they want, managed to win these 5 games despite not firing on all cylinders speaks a lot about their, uh, their quality and depth.
0: Totally, I agree. So, you're a Delhi boy. Your team is Delhi. Uh, no matter which uh, avatar it currently takes, right? I'm, I come from Bangalore and I would like to think we are sort of on the same boat because two very strong teams historically and a big huge fan base as well, but not really going on to clinch the trophy. I think Bangalore have been runner up twice even. Price. Let's focus on these two teams, our favorite teams, and then we'll see who are really in the ascendancy and who might actually go on to take the IPL this time. So, Maybe we can start with RCB. So, from the last episode, there have been four games that RCB have played, uh, of which two they have won and two they have lost. So it's a win, loss, win, loss. This is the let's say the pattern they have taken up. Before that, they were high flying. Four out of four, they had wins. But do you think there are cracks that are that are always there in the RCB squad are now coming to uh, play, or is it just a small stumble that they are taking? As far
1: as RCB is concerned, I felt that their squad last year was better than what they have this year. The reason for that is uh, I feel that they only have Nadeep Saini as a death bowler, who ironically has has played only one game and didn't only his put off overs in that game. On the other hand, the development of Muhammad Siraj is something which uh, you know which is very heartening to see, and I think it will uh, it will make any and every Indian cricket fan proud of how he's you know developed uh, so far in the last six seven months. Uh, you can certainly see that the confidence that he had uh, after bowling in Australia is translating to his performances in this IPL. But the reason why I say that their score was better last time because they had a Chris Morris uh, and uh, Navdeep Sani who could bowl at the death. With Harshal Patel and Kyle Jamieson, I wasn't very confident. And I still would say that despite Harshal Patel taking those 17 wickets, he's not the kind of bowler who you can rely on day in and day out to bowl those two to three overs at the death. I know he's worked on his yorker but the issue is with his pace if he misses the mark the margin of error is even lesser than what it is with an express Pacer. and that is why you see that he went for runs even in the la- uh, even in this game versus Punjab he went for 53 if I'm not wrong he went for runs against uh, against uh, Chennai and he went for runs against Rajasthan also so uh, if you see that the RCB bowling isn't that robust enough because Yusuendra Chahal is also struggling and he's not even taking wickets. And the biggest reason why I say that RCB this bowling still needs to be worked upon is Rajasthan Royals was 43 for 4, but they still managed to reach 177. No other good bowling attack would have allowed them to reach 177. At max, it would have been 150. So that tells you that the RCB bowling still needs to work on it, needs to work on it itself. It's just that on slower pitches where there is uh, a lack of pace and some some level of grip, the spinners can come in, the slower balls can work, but on absolutely flat tracks, those their bowling can come under a lot of pressure. And the five games that they play in Kolkata will 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 be a big factor because their bowling can come under a lot of scrutiny because Kolkata off late in the last two, three seasons has been a batting movie. I'd say it is it's the second best batting track in the IPL after 1K days. So, I am still not very. I, I think they would qualify, but I, I I wouldn't put my neck out and say yeah they, that they can go go the distance because their bowling is still under uh, under some pressure and it is it is it is something that uh, that can fail them on big days. Also, uh, Virat Kohli's form last season also he wasn't at his best. I think uh, his strike rate was hundred and twenty two. I know he scored five hundred runs, but the strike rate was on the lower side. And uh, his strike rate of 122 was his lowest since the 2012 or the 2013 IPL. And uh, this season also, in, they've played seven games so far. And uh, Virat Kohli hasn't hit his traps yet. I know he scored that 50 against Rajasthan Royals, but that game was more or less broken by Devdar Particle through his 100. So, they would need uh, uh, Virat Kohli to find forms. Because he's not been his usual self. The The pacing of the innings is not there. If you look at the game versus Punjab, uh, he himself got into a tangle and you know was just trying to force the issue so he probably needs to use that power player a lot better than what he's doing so far
0: all very valid points really i mean i think rcb as always we are really worried they may have peaked too early their bowling attack is unraveling uh, chahal is not doing what he gives uh, every season for rcb the stability he gives in the middle overs and somehow death is still a problem right Uh, We thought we had a solution uh, when Harshal Patel was delivering. But I think his season is going to come a cropper. I'm worried because it was all good in the first couple of games where he played in Chennai, what you said, with the pitch gripping, with his lower balls and everything. Now that he's at a slightly more evenly paced deck, at least there's no wear and tear on it yet. I'm worried, at least he's been found out for sure. Even uh, in the back end of the Chennai leg, he was found out, for example, when he really got butchered by Jadeja. That was quite instructive. 37 runs in an over is definitely game-changing no matter which over it happens. To actually concede 37 in the last over of the innings where, you know, it changes the complexion of the entire uh, game because 37 is normally more than the number of runs, usually the difference between the winning and the losing side. So, all this having said and done, I think they have a couple of things that still work for them. Glenn Maxwell has had a couple of uh, fallow games. ABD Villiers is as good as he can be because uh, look, even age is catching up with him as good as he is, no doubt. And probably you're absolutely right. Goalie's form is a real worry because Goalie used to always start us as an RCB off and then at the end, it used to to be somebody finishing it off. I mean, batting was there right. They're still a very batting heavy team. They started very promising when it came to bowling, but all those old problems have come up again. So... You you basically highlighted the whole thing. So, in this case, it, it looks really tough. I see them making the playoff based on the start they had. Five wins out of five. But the way now it's an up and down battle, I think even the game against Delhi, they were really, really lucky to get away with a win there. Because the way Delhi came back, I felt I felt really bad for the way in which at least Hetmeyer and Panth. Pant played a anchor almost. But the way Hetmeyer played, I mean, it was a dead and buried game with 4-3 overs left, you could think. He never gave up. And they kept hitting sixes towards the end. And I think, look, Kyle Jamison as a bowler, he's still developing. Harshal Patel has certain um, limitations, let's say. And uh, I think Scott Kuglain, whom they've brought in, in place of Kane Richardson, could be a good investment, do you say, uh, when it comes to at least death or bowling? Uh,
1: in the game versus Delhi, it was more than it was more to do with Delhi... Losing that game than RCB winning that game. Delhi did a lot of things wrong in that game. They, they got the playing 11 wrong. Uh, there's no way Steve Smith plays ahead of a Sam Billings or an Andrew Nokia. Then they made the mistake of Amit Mishra not bowling his full quota of overs. Then Hetmeyer uh, wasn't promoted. He should have come in, if not at number three, then at uh, the fall of the third wicket when Prithvi got out. Had Hetmeyer come in one over before that game, he would have finished with three or four balls to space. And then Panth's approach didn't help. Uh, someone like Panth cannot be 23 of 25 balls. He, he put too much pressure on himself. And I think the fact that he couldn't connect at the end was because he was losing his shape while going for those big shots. So, uh, you know, but RC, we should take those two points because Delhi were poor that day. And I think, uh, you know, th- that kind of game was needed for Delhi to understand, uh, you know, what they're doing, rock, uh, doing wrong. It's it's disappointing that they still didn't make a change in the, their eleven. Nokia should have played the game versus KKR, but it is how it is. As far as Scott Kuglian is concerned, he uh, I'm not very comfortable with him. You know, playing in the IPL with with the charges that are against him of of assault and uh, you know of 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 sexual assault. So that is something which which I I am not comfortable with. I'm someone who really you know can't differ between. Uh, the personal and the professional i i, I think that sports persons are, are are in the public life they they have uh you know they have a few examples that they can always make to the society and when you play someone like a scott Coulin, you sort of don't give the right example i've spoken on this before or, or as well i've tweeted about this as well that it's, it becomes very hypocritical of of the ipl teams and even New Zealand cricket. That when you say that you celebrate women in sport and you are all for women empowerment, but then you go and uh, you know uh, have someone like Scott Julian. That part apart, uh, I think his addition might help RCB because he brings in that extra pace. But uh, I, I am slightly disappointed with, with his signing, not for cricketing reasons, but uh, for non-cricketing reasons. And I think anyone who's who's a, who's a cricket fan and who realizes the, the values and, uh, you know, the importance of such stuff would sort of agree with
0: me. I think you have a point there. But I mean, as they say, you know, as it comes to certain leaders from India, he's been exonerated by a court in his country, right? It's It might not be the highest court of the land, but it's it's a very complicated question. And I'm, yeah, I'm loath to go into it. I have some thoughts of it myself. But when I, I would like to restrict it to his cricketing skills. And I would say maybe he can bring something uh, to the RCB team in terms of finishing. Maybe if he can take the place of Jamison. Jamison did strike a few good blows today. So, he, he shows he can bat. So, that, it's going to be interesting as far as RCB is concerned. For the rest of the season, for them, I would say they have a really uphill battle. Because they may huff and puff and reach the um, qualifiers. But there, they'll stumble and fall down. Because what we're seeing here is really... Worrisome. I think indeed, and
1: uh, I think they also need to utilize Harshal Patel differently now. He can give them two or three overs, but uh, he has a lot of he he has value in his batting as well as we saw in the last game. So probably someone like him can be a pinch hitter at number three and be sent in to give that impetus so that you know Virat Kohli can take a little more time to settle because his batting is not going to be utilized uh, if he's batting at number eight or number nine. And he opens in domestic cricket for Haryana, so he's a more than he's more than a decent batsman. I think that is how RCB should look to utilize him, and uh, you know probably bring in a, another bowler somewhere, and uh, or probably even uh, get a Finn Allen at at the top. Probably get a Finn Allen at the top, and uh, you know get a, another Indian bowler in Navdeep Saini. But they'll have to do it uh, if if not sooner than later than later because. Uh, the lineup that they're playing um, i think may not be sustainable towards the later stages of the tournament unless you know herschel keeps delivering those performances the good thing is that he's done better than what everyone expected and he deserves credit for it because he's been able to nail those yorkers the problem is to expect him to nail those yorkers at all times against power hitters is something which is which is which is not the right kind of expectation from someone like him
0: no, you're absolutely right. In this case, I think they'll have to rethink his role, both with the bat and ball. I would say he cannot be the finisher. if, Given the you know, the proof of the last three games, he cannot be the finisher anymore. He'll probably have to bowl out before the 16th over, let's say. And then when it comes to the way they want him uh, with the bat, yeah, he could be a solution at three, but I'm looking at final net three, really. You know, Patidar has done his bit. He'll probably get more chances later in the season as well. But Time to bloodfinal and see what he can do. I mean, all right, that's enough of RCB, but then let's go to the other team, your favourite, Delhi Capitals. So, really, I mean, from the moment they changed their name, they've changed their approach. They've brought in a different coaching setup. And as you say, they've grown from strength to strength. And uh, this season, at least they seem to be sorting out all their problems one by one. They still have a couple of match-winning players on the bench in the form of Norkia, possibly Billings. But, I mean, when I look at the way they played, at least in the game against uh, Bangalore, I mean, I'm just going to take it as an example. You had you had it all right. You analysed it perfectly. One of the things I see is indeed, I mean, is Steven Smith a problem? Definitely. But, you know, a player of Smith's quality, you can always hope he'll come good. But then Stoinis is also not really firing on all cylinders. Somehow, Hetmeyer cannot get the confidence of the coach. That's the way I look at it in that team, right? Um, because somebody like... Hetmyer in my team would be playing at three because he's a left-hander. He's an adventurous left-hander. And God knows he can he can actually storm the, let's say, the bastion of the opposition if required. He has that, uh, let's say, the audacity as well as the strokes. The way I look at it, he should bat much higher up the order rather than as a finisher because he can be an agenda setter, right? So, when you look at the batting, really, at least, Prithvi Shaw is an on-and-off sort of a thing, hot and cold thing. When he's good, he's really good. When he's not, he's not. And we saw what he could do in the game yesterday, where he simply took the game away. The first over almost killed the game. Uh, Gurkirat, do you also think it's something like uh, this for you?
1: I've always felt that uh, you know, Shimran Admire adds a lot more value than what a Steve Smith would in a T20 game. Uh, also, what what he adds to the to to uh, to the batting lineup is the is another left-hander in the middle order because there's only Rishabh Pant and Shikhar Dhawan. Everyone else is a right-hander. And uh, the fact is, last season, Delhi got uh, a lot of bonus out of uh, Stoinis's bowling because the grounds were big, the, the pitches were slightly slow, and uh, teams used to attack him a lot more because they couldn't really go after Rabada or Nokia. So he got a lot of junk wickets. Let's make no mistake about it. This season, uh, the fact is that, uh, you know, the pitches aren't that slow, and uh, the boundaries are small. So, see, see, you have to understand someone like a Stoinis uh, can't bowl economically in a ground like one Kheddi. He did the job in the one game versus Mumbai when he bowled those 3 overs for 20 because that pitch suited him. The pitch was low, he could bowl cutters and, uh, you know, the boundaries were big. Uh, but again, again versus Bairstow, he went for runs because Bairstow is the kind of batsman who will take down players like him. And with Stoinis, it was expected that whenever he bowls in the last five, because ABD was said that he will go for more than 15 runs, so you can't blame Stoinis because he's not in the team to to bowl to ABD Villiers in the last five overs. That was that was a calculation on the part of on on the part of uh, the think tank. And something similar happened versus Rajasthan as well when Ashwin didn't complete his overs and Stoinis was given the ball and he went for 15 runs. It's not his fault. The thing is, he's not being utilized as a batsman also because he's also essentially a top three player along with Hittmeyer, which is why I felt that Delhi should have never gone for a Steve Smith in the auction itself. You had Shreya Sahir anyway. You had Ajinkya Rahane. You had Shimon Hittmeyer. You had uh, Marcus Reiner. So you had four potential number threes. And then you went on to sign Vishnu Vinod as well. So there was no reason for you to sign Steve Smith anyway. Once you did, you still had to play... Uh, both uh, Shimron Hetmyer and Marcus Toynis ahead of Steve Smith someone like a um, uh, Shimron Hetmyer can bat at number 3 when spinners are in operation and Shikhar Dhawan gets out and someone like a Marcus Toynis can come at number 3 when Prithvi Shaw gets out that also allows you to have that left-hand right combination and then you can sandwich a Lalit Yadav between your big hitters who can could sort of hold one uh, hold one end up and he's also a very good hitter of spin bowling so there is no need for a Steve Smith to be there in the eleven. But what what is holding them back is is they want stability. But the problem is, like it was with Ajinkya Hane last season, he is not providing that stability. Also, he played a good innings versus Mumbai. I will give him that. But he was very scratchy versus versus SRH. He got lucky with a with with couple of boundaries on the edges with that in, enhanced strike rate. But he was he potentially played a match losing lock in Chennai uh, versus SRH. And uh, if you, if you look at, you know, uh, the issue of number three, Ajinkya Rahane last season batted seven in, seven innings and in six innings, he was dismissed in the power play. He was out to Bolt twice, out to Cummings once, out to Jofra Archer once. In the last game that Delhi played versus RCB, Chief Smith should be in the side to sort of hold, hold that end up and not get out in the power play. And he played a very poor shot. My issue is you can have someone like Pant also play the anchor because he's done it in Test matches against better bowling attacks, so you really don't need a specific anchor. You can also have a Vishnu Vinod who can go after the bowling, or you can promote a Lalit Yadav to go after the bowling. You really don't need a specialist anchor in the team. Risha can do that role if needed, uh, and this is something which I advocate for uh, Kings 11 Punjab too. Someone like a KL Rahul opening shouldn't be playing anchor because he's wasting the power play. If is too afraid about the batting lineup crumbling, he can come in at number four and number five, but let others go out up at the top and, you know, take advantage of that power play. So, uh, I think Delhi really need to get this one right because if you have four paces uh, uh, of the quality of Rabada, Nokia, Ishant, and uh, Avesh, and uh, teams are not going to score a lot of runs against you on most days. You're not going to end up conceding more than 160. Because you cannot play an Amit Mishra against all teams, especially when you play those five games in uh, Kolkata. Delhi play five games in Kolkata. So, you would probably need four pacers. And with that bowling attack, you have your power play covered, you have your middle overs sort of covered, and you have your death bo- overs covered. You can have Vishan Sharma bowl three overs at the power play and one somewhere in between. And then others can... Avesh has been brilliant. Make no mistake about it. I think he's been the best bowler of this IPL so far. In the seven games that Delhi have uh, played, he's got the biggest wicket in probably every game. He got Faf out versus Chennai. He got Miller out versus... Rajasthan, he got Surya Kumar Yadav out versus Mumbai. He got Puran out versus Punjab. He got the wicket of Bairstow versus SRH. Got the wicket of Virat Kohli last game also. Uh, uh, he got Shubman Gill out, who, who, who was just looking to you know accelerate. So Avesh Khan has been brilliant. It's just that Kagiso has been slightly under par, but his last two games are, are good signs for Delhi because he's looked to bowl the Yorker. His pace has gone up. It's just that he needs to stop this obsession with store balls because. He's, whenever he tried those slower balls, he's gone for runs. He, he attempted a slower ball versus Chris Moyes was hit into the second tier in one day. He attempted the slower ball versus Suchit, went went he went a mile. He attempted that slower ball versus Andre Russell went 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 a mile. So there's no reason for someone like him to try the slower ball anyway. He's a pretty he has a pretty good Yorker. Should rely on it. If he fails in that execution of the Yorker or the batsman get better of it, so be it. But he should be he, he's experienced enough to back his strengths. So I think Delhi uh, should make only one change to the eleven that they have. They had versus uh, KKR, uh, drop Steve Smith, uh, bring in Andrik Nokia, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Probably if, if they need, uh, probably can uh, you know send Lalit Yadav up because they had batting till eight anyway. Akshar was at number eight, at at bat- batting till number seven with that bowling attack is good enough because with that bowling attack you are not going to give a lot of runs on most days. The day you give you would expect
0: that batting to do well. All good points, actually. So, I mean, when I look at a um, couple of things, Umesh Yadav is still on the bench as well for Delhi. And the way Avesh Khan has bowled, he's nailed down a spot, I would say, for the rest of the tournament. Akshar Patel is there when it comes to the middle overs. Lalit Yadav can do a bit of you know uh, spin as well. So, that covers almost all the, as far as I'm concerned, bowling options for Delhi. I mean, with this in mind, I would say... I mean, do you see Delhi going the distance this time? They can.
1: They they certainly can, but uh, they need to figure out that batting order because uh, I I don't think Steve Smith at number three is sustainable. And uh, there is bound to be a game where Avesh Khan will fail. He's inexperienced. Uh, he 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 might fail. Uh, you know, he's going to bowl. Though. He's going to play play five games at Kolkata. Uh, they, those five games are going to be a test of his skill once again and you cannot rely on him to be your second best bowler every day and hence I'd say that you need someone like an Andric Nokia because uh there's a possibility if Andrik Nokia plays then then Avesh Khan will, will, will probably in the, will be in the race for the purple cap or own the purple cap because then teams will look to attack him a lot more and probably give him give him the wickets, so they, they need to make this one change, and they need to trust uh, Shimran and admire to bat at three, or uh, you know Marcus Toynis to bat at three. Because at this point of time, Marcus Toynis as a batsman is not being utilized. Neither is Shimran and Admaier as a batsman. Uh, Marcus Tornis has played a couple of cameos, but he's better than that. As we saw last season, they need to they need to use use these two players better. And uh, if, if if they don't win this time, you know because of the eleven that they are playing, then it's down to Ricky point Hmm. execution is one thing but you need to plan you, you need to plan accordingly it's, it's fine if you plan accordingly and lose because some other team has executed their skills better or you haven't but if your plan on paper you know uh, isn't, isn't solid or foolproof enough then uh, then it's more disappointing I'd say Fair enough
0: I think you have it right so I think they're a bit far away from really identifying their final 11 or final
1: 12 I'd say one thing. Uh, you know, it might come across as a little arrogant right right now, but there are three players that Delhi shouldn't consider uh, in the playing eleven. Ajinkya Rahane and Tom Karan are one. I was very happy that they lost the second game uh, because if you if you have if you have Steven Smith, if you have uh, Sam Billings, Shimran Admire, Mesh Yadav, Ishan Sharma, uh, all these players on the bench, and you play Tom Karan, Rick Nokia, and you play Tom Curran and uh, Stee- uh, Ajinkya Rahane ahead of them, then, you know, you're, def- you're not playing the right 11. You're- there's something wrong. It's I'm glad that they lost that game because that forced them to make that change. Because, you know, uh, there's this cliche in cricket that says, uh, you know, don't fix anything that isn't broken. But a lot of times people don't realize that uh, something might be broken, but it still might be, you know, doing the job just because uh, the pressure on that broken joint hasn't been enough to completely expose it. So, had Delhi won that game, they would have continued with that, uh, playing 11 for another game. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, what else would have happened. So, it's, it's good in a way that they lost that game because that bowled them. And I'm hoping that whenever they lose, they take something out of the game for the next season. I was dis- that is why I was disappointed with them not dropping stickers for the last game.
0: Alright, that sums up Delhi very nicely. There is no IPL that would be complete without us discussing Mumbai and Chennai. But let's go with Chennai first. I mean, are these the team that has surprised everyone this season? They have really you know, come out with all guns blazing and they seem to have a fully functional 11, which seems to have most most of the things covered. Do you think, uh, Gurkirat, or do you see it differently?
1: I honestly didn't expect Chennai to win five games out of six. I, I thought that they will struggle to make it to the uh, playoffs this time because... They really rely on Chepok to do well, and that was something uh, which was echoed by both Stephen Fleming and MS Dhoni last season that they missed Chepok. And when I saw that, saw their venues that they play only four games at Delhi because they play five at day and uh, two games in uh, Bangalore and three games in and three games in Kolkata. They have they have ten games at they have ten games at Mumbai, Kolkata, and Bangalore, and only four at Delhi. I thought. It's, it's going to be difficult. But the fact that they won four games in one day and two of them while defending spoke, spoke really volumes of their team character. There was no way I thought that they should have won versus KKR uh, once they had chosen to bowl. Once once they had been put in because I thought that pitch is such that and KKR's batting lineup is such that they should be able to chase anything. Similarly, I, I thought that they could do, they could lose to Rajasthan as well, but they, they managed to win it. And uh, tomorrow when they play you know, Mumbai in Delhi, it's, it's going to be an uphill task, but I'm, I've been really surprised with how their bowling uh, has come up, uh, has, has come along because I thought that their bowling is 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 not their stronger suit. They definitely have the batting depth and it is something that has, that they've addressed since the last season. Last season, they lost a lot of games chasing when they were only five or six down and they had the likes of Shahudul Thakur, Deepak Chahar, uh, Duane Bravo, who didn't even get to bat. So that... Approach in batting is definitely very refreshing to see, but uh, I think their bowling is still um, you know isn't great enough. It it can be put under a lot of pressure, and uh, it is you know they, they are going to need an Imran Tahir some somewhere down the line or maybe even a end off because that bowling lineup isn't isn't doing great. Sardul Thakur isn't isn't performing up to the mark. Sam Curran can go for a lot of runs at the death. Uh, so can Lungi and Gidi. And uh, Dwayne Bravo isn't a regular because uh, Lungi Ngidi is being preferred over him. So I'm concerned about their bowling. But uh, now that they are five wins out of six, I, I I don't see that they won't qualify from here on. Uh, I don't think they are capable of not qualifying from here, here on. They they won't do such a bottom.
0: First of all, I would like to congratulate you on almost a photographic memory of the let's say the schedule of IPL in this season. You seem to exactly know which team plays where. And I find it very difficult to do that. Uh, but when it comes to Chennai, look, first of all, they have a firing top three. That's very good. right? They brought Suresh Shana back. Halfway places found his groove. Rituraj Gaikwad has found a place for himself in this eleven, And of course, they have this mercurial Ravendra Jadeja. I mean, the less we speak about him, the better. Because we could spend an episode simply speaking Ravendra Jadeja and how much he, he contributes to any team he plays in. I mean, the way he finished against Bangalore, for example. And I think that took the sales completely out of Bangalore's, let's say, the ship. And also another thing, Imran Tahir is playing. This is a very wily, very, very uh, knowledgeable leg spinner who probably is also good to have in the squad because he can bring all your spinners along. You have Jadeja. I mean, look, would I start with a current ahead of a Bravo? Probably not. For me, it's always Bravo ahead of Karan. But Karan brings this X factor, right? And then you have... Likes of Deepak Chahar is sort of maturing all the time. Shardul Thakur has an on-day-off day day because against Bangalore, he was fantastic. But later on, for example, during Kolkata, he bled a lot of runs. So they have an on-and-off sort of a night, but that's probably how most T20 games will go for bowlers. But I think they have most of the equation sorted out. And as you rightly point out, they'll probably go ahead and qualify. A Chennai that qualifies is a completely different Chennai from the one that is probably struggling in the league phase, right? A Chennai that qualifies is a Chennai that's going for victory. So, for me, like every time, it'll be always... Whichever team needs to win the IPL has to beat Chennai and Mumbai probably in consecutive games leading up to the final, if not in the final itself. So, uh, do you see Chennai going the distance this time? Honestly,
1: I, I don't think that they have the squad, but you never know. Although Suresh Raina is back, but you see w- what has been you know, uh, a game-changing thing for them has been Moin Ali at number 3. They're not they're not sending Suresh Rana at number 3 at all times. They send sending Moin Ali and they ask him to attack uh, because they understand that even though Moin Ali isn't great versus pace, uh, he's probably better than what Suresh Rana is. Because Suresh Rana is still having, still has those issues versus a short ball. But, uh, you know, he also realizes that he doesn't need to play long in this Chennai lineup. He needs to, you know, keep going bang-bang. What, what has helped them is the improvement of Ravindra Jadeja, the batsman, over the last season. His bowling is slightly better than what it was last season, but again, it's something that can again, you know, come under uh, be put under a lot of pressure. So, uh, like I said, I'm not very confident of Chennai's bowling. I don't think you know Chennai is the kind of uh, bowling attack that can defend scores, even if you, even if you have to chase one one eighty against them. It is possible on most days uh, because uh, if they don't play uh, Jason Berendorf, you only have to see out Deepak Chahar and you know, the late, the longer you go into the tournament, the hotter it gets in India, there is going to be less assistance of seam and swing. So Deepak Chahar becomes easier to deal with. And then Shadul Thakur is not in great form. So it comes down to Lungi and Giri. Lungi and Giri has has been okay, but he's not the same bowler that he was in back in 2018. Not done well for South Africa also. So I, I think it's difficult because, like I said, I, I I don't think you know that they can they can defend scores. They can certainly chase anything because of the batting depth, but defending is difficult. I know they defended it twi- uh, twice in one career uh, against RCB, rather thrice against RCB against uh, Rajasthan against KKR. But what was helped to them uh, through RCB was that they were playing a day game. There was no due. And uh, the start that RCB got, they were 44 for no loss in three overs. They could have chased it down. They messed up. There was no due. So, I'm I'm still worried about Chennai's bowling. I know the results are in their favor, but it, it, it's not going to take long when, you know, uh, when, when MS Dhoni doesn't have the luck of the toss. In 2018, he won a lot of tosses which helped them, but if they don't win the toss they're, they're going to find it difficult
0: having seen what chennai can do the moment they enter the qualifiers i would always be wary of them
1: you have to be afraid because ms dhoni knows how to place his cards well he he's a very wily wily customer he knows how to get most out of his players but the thing is uh, he cannot upskill those players he can use them to 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 what 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 he best can but Against good batting lineups, against an RCB, against a Delhi, against a Mumbai, that bowling attack is very, very vulnerable. In fact, that bowling attack was vulnerable even against Pat Cummings. Right. I mean, they have some chinks, no
0: doubt. But I mean, on a given day, I somehow feel they'll pull through. Even if it's a low scoring, let's say, a contest, they have, let's say, that mental strength to pull through. And that's the thing I really appreciate about the way Chennai play their game in any case. I mean, let's discuss the other team in the top four. Mumbai, you you never write off Mumbai, right? I mean, they're five times champions. We know all this that they usually start slow. All of these are normal things that we get to see when Mumbai play. But this time, somehow, they feel especially vulnerable to me. Uh, I don't know if you feel a similar way or maybe you have a different opinion on this.
1: They are because uh, Trent Bolt is not uh, getting picked up at the top. But he's become a better death bowler than what he was when he was with Delhi. He's he's landing on the Yorkers better, but they're not getting wickets in the power play that much. And uh, the other thing is that their batsmen were struggling for form on slower tracks in Chennai. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see how they go about when they come to Ahmedabad. So, uh, that is there. And uh, Kunal Pandya's bowling... See, Kunal Pandya is the kind of bowler who becomes better because he plays... You know, in a lineup that has very good bowlers, there is a Jasprit Bumrah, there is a Trent Boult who is taking wickets. So he was not, he was never bowling in a situation where he was under pressure. The opposition was is more, more or less under pressure, so they don't attack him. But uh, that is an issue. So and the form of Shan Kishan is, I think he'll get back into form when he when he plays on better pitches. But the key to that Mumbai bowl, Mumbai batting lineup is Surya Kumar Yadav. You get him early, you put them under pressure under pressure because he really doesn't, you know, doesn't waste any time. He, he just, you know, whatever point of time he comes in, he just knows how to bat one way and he just goes about doing his business. And the fact is, he doesn't even look to be, you know, reckless while doing it. It comes very naturally to him. So Surya Kumar Yadav is going to be key for Mumbai because he's the one who's, who really holds that batting at, uh, lineup uh, along because uh, Hardik Pandya hasn't done great so far. And Chiron Bullard can't pull you out through every time. So, they don't look that robust, but they're still a very good side.
0: A couple of names you took there, uh, I would at least like to go back to. One is, well, at least Quinton de Cock is still not yet firing on all cylinders. I mean, against uh, Rajasthan Royals, he came good. That he scored a 70. And that was one of the first innings I remember for a while in the IPL from him. That sort of made an impact. Right, apart from a couple of very good 30s, this is the worst, first real one I've seen. Then, of course, as you say, look, Runal Pandey can be an all rounder, but he's always good as a part of a good bowling lineup. You highlighted it very correctly. And when it comes to Kyron Pollard, that's the other player. So these two are almost always in the 11 because Quinton Kock, both are all rounders. Quinton Kock can keep, and Kyron Pollard, you know, you wouldn't drop Kyron Pollard no matter what, I think, if you're Mumbai. These two are yet to, let's say, um, cup good. This is a big deal. Now, if you were to just sum up Mumbai's chances, I would like to think they are going to pick up momentum going forward. And again, Mumbai, just like Chennai, it's a team that knows how to win the moment they qualify. Right. So this is a team you would definitely be very wary of because their spin spin is really doing good. I mean, before the tournament everybody was saying the spin is not going to be much of a problem. But Rahul Chahar has been doing really good. He's been taking wickets. So I mean, I would never write off Mumbai if if you were to look at their form and the way they pick up, they understand how a tournament progresses and how they themselves mature as the tournament goes on. Now, I think we should quickly wrap up with those that are left. Unfortunately, uh, IPL, like many other tournaments, it's a long one. And as the tournament goes on, the teams sort of divide themselves into two, almost like, I don't know, two stages or two leagues. And in this case, those in the bottom, Rajasthan Royals, SRH, KKR. Right? These three are very surprising because with their win today, Punjab Kings have, again, given themselves a chance to be probably the fifth-ranked, if not the fourth-ranked team, maybe displace one of the teams from the top four. Let's go through these teams one by one quickly. What do you think about KKR?
1: I think if they don't qualify this season, it would be the first time since the last season, the last three seasons that they didn't uh, that, that they won't qualify. See, I've never been a fan of having overseas captains because uh, when they don't perform or they are out of form, they not only block a space in the 11 they block an overseas spot. Which is, which is so important for any ITL side. And I was never in favour of uh, them. Uh, I, I know it says that you know, Dinesh Karthik stepped down, but I was never in favour of that decision because uh, you could sense that it was not Dinesh Karthik who was taking those decisions, but it was Brendan McCallum. The other thing that I think is happening is because that I don't think that KKR have those players who can play the ideology that uh, Brendan McCallum or an Oyen Morgan believe. Uh, they believe in an ideology where play, where everyone has to go bang bang at, uh, at uh, you know the, from straight from straight away ball one. but I don't think Gill is probably that kind of a player. and I think that kind of philosophy can only be practiced by a team that has you know batting till eight or nine uh, with kkr uh, you know when Pat Cummings come at comes at number seven, I don't think that is very much possible and. Uh, you know, uh, Owen Morgan also, if you see since the 2019 World Cup, hasn't been great with the bat. His, his weakness of the short ball is getting found out. Probably, you know, they can play uh, Tim Seifert or, uh, you know, a Ben Cutting and then try it out. But for that, they'll have to drop uh, Owen Morgan. And if they do that, then it, uh, it won't send a great signal. And I think it's a similar issue with SRH. SRH, I think, uh, weren't great in the last two seasons. I know they qualified for the playoffs, but... In 2019, they only qualified with six wins. In 2020, they did it with seven wins on the back of net run rate. They've had issues in their side over the last two seasons, but they've been papered over because of few individuals chipping in all, all, all the time. Last season, it was Kane Williamson, uh, Natrajan doing very well, Rashid doing very well, and then Warner chipping in with a few performances. But I, I didn't even understand what SRH were doing at the auction. There was no reason for them to retain... All three of Basil Thampi, Siddharth call and Khalil Ahmed when they weren't doing well. There was no reason for them to get Mujib when Nabi wasn't getting a game. There was no reason for them to sign a Jason Roy as a replacement for Mitchell Marsh. They haven't had an express spacer in their side for the last three years. They had Billy uh, Stanlake, but he did they, they didn't use him because they, they, they had to play a top, uh, three overseas in the top four. And they found out last season, going towards the end, that a that a top four of three overseas batsmen isn't sustainable, which is why they had to play Jason Holder and uh, 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 Jason Holder and drop uh, Johnny Besto. So they really didn't address any of the issues that they had. They only did three signings. One was Taktisha Suchet. The other was of uh, Kedar Jadav and of uh, Mujib. And they have been stuck with, uh, with uh, Manish Pandey somehow and not been using him well. And... On occasions when they've needed some impetus in the innings, they've failed to promote even Rashid Khan. They've not even used his batting very well. So a lot of things that you know that that they're doing wrong. And with Warner, you know, giving those comments in the post-match that he that dropping Manish wasn't his call, then uh, you know why Kane Williamson did bad at three wasn't his call. I don't know what's really happening. And Warner, the batsman, is also losing his impact. His strike—I know he scored five hundred runs last season, but his strike rate was one thirty-three. Just 10 points down than is usual. And uh, this season, his strike rate is not even 120. So, it's a cause of concern. Probably, you know, uh, they need to make uh, Kane Williamson the captain and bring Jason Roy in if they want to save their season. But I, I doubt that, that that will happen.
0: I think you've hit it all. Because for me, I mean, they're a mess. The way they selected the squad is wrong. Many of the times, the way they play their 11, I see there can be more that can be done. And even in the 11, they have the order is wrong. The batting order is wrong. The choice of bowlers is wrong. I somehow think Warner as a captain, uh, the time for him has come and gone. You should give it to a more mature individual like Kane Williamson, right? If not, if you think there's an Indian that is required that will give you more flexibility, time to blood in somebody like Manish Pandey. Because for me, he's always in the 11, And he's been long enough with the, let's say the franchise that he's one of their bedrocks. I would blood somebody like him as an ex-captain.
1: He's also captain Karnataka, but but the issue with him is that see last game he played one of his better innings, but it was still sixty one of forty six balls, and it was in Kotla, one of the smallest grounds in uh, in the IPL, and it was against a bowling attack that which, which I'd say isn't the greatest. So there was no reason for him to you know not keep going after Mohin Ali once he had dispatched him for that six. So it's 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 a side that is in a colossal mess, I'd say, and there is no way that they can get out of it. Similarly for KKR, I have. I can't explain why they don't play a locky for this. I really have no reason. They, they, they're caught in between. They, they, they don't even have bowling depth. They don't even have batting depth. They, they're trying to find the middle ground, but they're not realizing that they cannot find that middle ground with the resources that they have. Uh, even if they play a ben cutting, I don't think his bowling will add a lot uh, than maybe adding a two-overs. And for, if he plays, then you have to you know drop an Indian bowler and probably get another Indian batsman or do the other way around. So it's, it's it's a mess that they're not able to solve. And only they are responsible for themselves. The only team that I feel bad for is Rajasthan Royals because their squad construction was very good. They've been hit with injuries and no one can do anything about it. Jofra getting ruled out. Then Stokes getting out after the first game. Andrew Tai choosing to go back home. Liam Livingstone choosing to go back home. It is something that they can't do much about. And even Karthik Tyagi was injured for the first few games. They need to bring Karthik Tyagi in because he's the one who can bowl at the death with uh, Chris Morris. Achetan uh, Sakaria cannot do that. Uh Jadev Unadkar definitely cannot do that. We have seen enough of that. Probably with Rasheed Vanderdarsson coming in, they might. I, I think if they play him in the 11 and drop Mustafizur and play Karthik Tyagi uh, as a bowler, it might help them because Shivam Dubey isn't adding much. They could probably drop Shivam Dubey. Bring in Rassi Van Der and uh, play Karthik Tyagi in place of Musafizur Rahman. Uh, that might make their side a little more robust and uh, hopefully then they can get those results. Because last game, they, they were actually in a good position and they, they just messed up with that promotion of uh, Shyam I
0: mean, that leaves us with uh, the enigma for me, at least this season, for the Kings. How do you see them performing? Do you see them really qualifying, give them giving themselves a chance at all?
1: See, Punjab Kings again, last time also they had a good squad. This time also they have a good squad. But uh, the way they manage their players and their 11 is something which is which is really disappointing. I, for one, don't like the approach that KL Rahul is taking. I know it worked today, but it, it will not work on most occasions. If, if, if he's, like I said previously, he's better off batting in the middle order if he's too concerned about the collapse. He can send in someone up, or maybe a Mandeep Singh, maybe a Prop Simran along with Mayank and ask them to keep going for it and then have Gale at 3. Or maybe open with Gale and Mayank and then have Prop Simran at 3 or Mandeep at 3, uh, Nicholas Puran at 4 and then he can come in at 5. Whatever way, but uh, he cannot be batting in the first 10 overs because what he did in the last 5 overs, he can do it even if he comes in comes into bat at the 11th or 12th over. There is no, no, no reason to waste those 10 overs with the way that he bats in those 10 overs. Another thing, I think uh, Punjab should try Ishan Porel sometime. See, last last time they they over, uh, I think their bowling changes were wrong. Uh, the, especially when they chose to go with the bowling attack of uh, of Nishim, Krishnapakatham, and Maxwell bowling eight overs at Mumbai. So I thought they got that part wrong, but they were immensely helped by Bishnoi doing well, Murugun Ashwan doing well, and then Ashdeep Singh doing well. Today they dropped Ashdeep Singh, but they found another bowler in Harpreet Barar, I'm not sure how much it can be sustained with Harpreet Brar, but if they sort the bowling out, if they probably get in uh, Jai Richardson, uh, if if Meredith is injured, and uh, you know probably uh, get a Fabian Allen at number six or number seven, and drop uh, Nicholas Spoon. I know you know he has a lot of potential, but he, he looks he looks in no form whatever. So they can probably drop in drop one of their number six number seven. And uh, get in Fabian Allen there and uh, have Amandeep Singh if needed. But I like the eleven that they play today. I think it's it's something that would help them. Chris Jordan, Mohammad Shami, and it is a good pace attack. It's good that they chose to drop Enriquez. I, I I like the eleven. I hope they stick to it and I hope they they change the batting order. All okay. right. Because this team has a lot of protection. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Rahul's success had to do with Chris Gale, uh You know, playing the innings that he did. Had Chris Gale not done that, uh, Rahul would have thrown his cricket away because he would have put himself under a lot of pressure.
0: I think the enigma for me will still remain Punjab Kings. If they can sort themselves out, they give themselves a real chance of probably putting behind.
1: Yeah, if if, if, they, if they if they if they start performing, then then someone like a Chennai or a Bangalore might miss out.
0: Exactly. I mean, I don't see Chennai somehow missing out. Bangalore, if they are really going to fall down, they might very well miss out. Mumbai and Chennai somehow they'll they'll make it to the qualifiers because of the depth.
1: Bangalore this time needs 8 wins because their net run rate is is in the negative. Last time they qualified with 7, this time it won't happen.
0: They'll need 3 more wins in their 7 remaining games but considering they're going to Kolkata, it's going to be interesting. Now, before we wrap up, whom do you think will actually qualify and who do you think will really win?
1: I'd like Delhi to win. Uh, I'm not sure if they would. Uh, Concerned about the playing 11 that they put out on the park but I think Delhi, Mumbai, Chennai and... uh, I'd say RCB will qualify. But uh, I, I'd like Delhi to win. I'm not sure if they would. But I definitely like that.
0: to happen. I agree with you there. Those would be my top four as well. As as it stands, the same top four will qualify. I'm going to say Mumbai will play the first qualifier. Chennai would have qualified as one of the top two teams. And I would say Chennai will wait. Whoever will be the champions this time in the final. And in this case, I'm hoping it's one of Delhi capitals of Royal Challenges, Bangalore. Because these two are the ones that have never won but have promised a lot throughout the, let's say, multiple seasons of IPL. So, I'm really hoping it's going to be one of Delhi Capitals of Royal Challengers. But problem is, indeed, Royal Challengers have a lot to sort out. Delhi are looking much better. And I'm going to back Delhi Capitals to actually win this season. We, at least, as far as I'm concerned, I would like a new team, which has never won the IPL to win this time. Right? I don't mind if it's a really a black horse like Punjab Kings coming through and winning. I don't care. But I would like a new team to come through and win. I mean, Before we wrap up, I would like to quickly go through a couple of interesting stories. So, one is the fate of some of the Australian players the moment they decided to leave the bubble. So, I don't know if you saw this. Kane Richardson and Adam Zampa somehow, they left the bubble from Bangalore. They were outside of it, but they couldn't get on a flight because the flights to Australia were cancelled. And then they had to do a whole lot of circus. They had to go through Doha and finally they landed in Australia. Did you see this?
1: I heard. I heard. Uh, see, I can understand why a few players are choosing to go back. Uh, they are genuinely worried. And I think the players who are not getting a game in the eleven they have a lot more reason to go back. Because they think that uh, if they're not going to get a lot of, uh, lot of game time, it's better that they go back because bubble fatigue is a thing. Virat Kohli has also spoken of it. And, uh, you know, uh, having spoken to a lot of people who got COVID, a lot of them said that more than, you know, getting the flu or, getting that fever or anything, a lot of it, uh, a lot of the exhaustion was because they were confined to a, to a room. And uh, it, it must be the same for the players because uh, every day if you just go to the ground, come back, be in the hotel room, not even get delivery or go out and eat. it is going to, see monotony is going to kill, any not, not re- literally kill but it, it takes a it toll. So it's understandable why, why the players who have chosen to go back have taken that decision. And uh, we must respect it because at the end of the day, the mental health aspect and the families are ahead of what you do. So it's fine, and I, I think it's a good thing that the Aussie players, you know, got the flight back and have landed uh, safely and are back home safe. And you, one would hope that you know the the players who are there in this bubble also, you know, don't get uh, don't don't get the virus or and their families do well as well. We have heard how uh, Ashwin's family, uh, you know, got COVID positive. Uh, hoping that they, all of them get well soon, and then, as a Delhi Capitals fan, I hope that if all of things, all the things go well, he's able to join back the squad when whenever is it's possible.
0: Indeed, I mean, he adds a lot to the eleven. Even though he didn't take wickets, I think he kept going under thirty, and that really helps, right? I mean, the the potent threat that Ashwin brings would be really crucial. I mean, for a Delhi that would go on possibly win this tournament. Some of the things, well, Dhoni's parents were also positive, we got to read. But Dhoni decided to stay back because he had enough, let's say, people that he could trust who could take care of his parents. That was nice to read. But not always is it possible because umpire Nitin Menon has left the bubble because both his parents were tested COVID positive. You know, he decided to leave the bubble. On the other hand, somebody like Paul Rifle, an Australian, wanted to leave the bubble, go back home. But then somehow... It, it, it wouldn't pass because uh, because of the rules that Australian government decided. He decided to just stay back and continue to be in the bubble. Would that have been a, a reasonable choice for some players of Australian origin, do you think?
1: See, someone uh, who has a point to prove. I, I, I actually felt that Steve Smith may not come to the IPL because of how much the price had taken a hit. But he obviously has a point to prove. I, I, I don't think that he's a great T20 player. But... In his mind, he is a champion player. We've seen how he uh, comes back in T20s and everything. So he definitely has a point to prove. I think so. It all just comes down to what the player eventually feels is, is going to be the right thing for him, and uh, that's that's about it. I mean, you really can't make make these decisions for someone else.
0: So round it all off, but look, New Zealand players seem to be in their bubble. We have at least three that we know of, and but Australian players uh, would want to leave. That's a very strange thing, don't you think? Because I think these two are the farthest most countries when it comes to distance and travelling and probably are the safest when it comes to COVID, apart from, I think, certain islands in the Caribbean. But New Zealand players choose to stay on, but Australian players choose to leave. Is that a bit of a weird thing for you or not?
1: Again, comes down to, uh, you know, how much game time that they are getting. If you see that. Kyle Jameson is, is a regular, so it makes sense for him to stay. Maybe Lockie Ferguson is staying back, and Finn Allen is there because Brendan McCullum is in the setup. So maybe he's been told that he's told them that you will get get a few games. And the Aussie players that who've, who've gone back, see, Andrew White didn't play didn't play a single game. Uh, Adam Zampa would have found it difficult to make it to b eleven with uh, Yuzvendra Chahal. So these factors also come into play.
0: All right, I think that has been a very let's say a comprehensive uh, an overview of how IPL has gone on so far, and maybe even. Some point as to how it might end this year. Do you think IPL should be stopped or do you think it should be allowed to go on? I mean, you yourself said it had a big impact on your mental, let's say makeup and how you felt mentally. But cricket it itself, but in general, IPL, do you think it, it's a bone or a bane when it comes to the way it's being held and what's going on in India? It's
1: a it's a very difficult question to answer because you know it's a it's a very layered topic and a layered discussion the the ones who are who are saying that it shouldn't be shouldn't be held they have a very valid point that when uh, people are not getting basic basic tests being done for uh, for COVID and on the other hand you have these players who are getting tested every uh, every second day uh, maybe those kits can be used for someone else and uh, there are ambulances and everything so all the medical staff and the medical resources that are being employed in the IPL they can definitely be Used towards towards helping the crisis that is there in the country without a doubt but on the other hand uh, we also have to realize that the indian economy has taken a massive hit anyway in the last year or so and uh, the IPL also does help a lot of people who work around it Uh, there are a lot of you know journalists who 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 are not even you know in the upper level of journalism who, who just you know especially the freelancers for them uh, it's a huge thing, uh, the IPL being held because they, they tend to earn a lot. So it's also a matter of a livelihood for a lot of players, uh, not people, not players, not not particularly the players and the officials because they're better off but but the others who work around it. Last year, we heard a story where Irfan Pathan you know, uh, had sent him money to a cobbler in Chennai who used to make a lot of money whenever those eight games of IPL used to happen uh, outside Chepauk. So it's about that as well. Of course, there are no, no, uh, no crowds. So, you know, such people can't, uh, can't uh, their livelihoods are obviously affected. Maybe in hindsight, it's easier to say that the IPL could have been held, but in UAE again. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point of time, it's a very difficult call. I wouldn't mind even if it's called off, uh, you know, citing uh, the need for more medical resources. And maybe, you know, the need to convert stadiums into uh, hospitals or, you know, to enhance the beds, But, uh, yeah, but I don't see it getting called off. I think the stakes are too high. The stakes economically are too high that it won't get called off. Also, the fact that BCCI wants to uh, host the T20 World Cup later this year, that is an additional factor. So, despite what I and you feel, I don't think that the people who are going to take that decision are going to cancel it they will play it and uh, yeah it's 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 a, it's a very split it's, it's a very uh it's a very difficult uh thing to sort of take stance for especially for someone like me because i i understand what the situation is uh i know how people are struggling and still i am able to watch the game and you know get some peace so it's something that tricks me but I really can't make my mind. I, I can't be a pro or con in this situation. I, I'm very split
0: on on this one. If I were to give my thoughts on this, look, I would say the amount of money that has been invested and the amount of people that have been put together to work on this tournament, if you stop it right now, is it's going to all go to waste. It's not about the money, but the personal and the livelihood, as you say, but also the time that has been put in to get this thing going. And also, you know, looking at the bigger picture itself, there is a World T20 to be held in October, September, October. So the people that sort of hold the cards will probably not let this investment go to waste. And all this preparation and all this, let's say the showcase that's possible, go to waste. And things would sort themselves out. Uh, there, there will be a lot of losses. Uh, the way the, the what we hear about uh, things going on in India is absolutely devastating. But we really hope, you know, from... From our perspective, we really hope this uh, this wave sort of dampens a little. And I think it's a, it's about riding out the next couple of weeks, but then it's going to fall. And, and uh, we really hope this wave will not cause such a disruption that even IPL is stopped. For me, it's not about IPL itself, but what it means for the people. Because it's sort of a beacon of hope, the way it's being held and continually being held. That's how at least the people holding it would like to project it. And for many of us who follow it, that's what it is. And when we look at only that, I would like to think it should see through to its conclusion. So, I mean, what's going to happen, we're going to see in the upcoming couple of weeks, but it's going to be a very interesting uh, call for me one way or the other. You're absolutely right. Gurukir, thanks a lot for your time. I know, I mean, I should say this, it's been it's been very late in India. The way that time we started was already very late, but you generously gave us your time. So I would like to thank you for your guest appearance on the Amshir podcast. But before you leave, would you like to give out some of those, let's say, links through which uh, our listeners can reach out to you? I know you're very good at analysis. You've just shown it. But maybe there are other things you'd like to tell us about yourself and any links you'd like to share.
1: I'm, I'm very active on Twitter during live games, especially uh, India games and the IPN. So if anyone who, who's loved this conversation and thinks that I, I know a little bit of cricket can follow me on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, I am there as Gilly Cricket. I uh, do a similar analysis. I, I, I'm, I don't have a YouTube channel so far, but I do a lot of uh, video podcasts, uh, audio podcasts and uh, video analysis with a few channels which I tend to share. So yeah, if you, if you think that, you know, what I say uh, and talk of the game is making sense, so uh, do give me a follow on these platforms. And if you if you don't think that I I am good enough, then uh, probably follow me to criticize, and uh, you know uh, see if if I can improve. Uh, the bottom line is that you should follow me uh, whether to appreciate or criticize. Because a lot of people think that they do know cricket better than others, which is fair. Because I have never believed that those who have played the game are the ones who can only talk about it, which is which should never be the uh, which should be never which should never be the case with any sport. So yeah. Uh, if you don't uh, there's another reason if you think that, uh, that I wasn't good enough you can follow me and then I might change your mind so yeah so I've given you three guys, three reasons to follow me hopefully one of them works with you <laughs> well
0: all very valid ones as far as I'm concerned as far as Armchair Cricket Podcast is concerned the same set of reasons hold if you would like to follow us we are on Twitter at Armchair Cricket pretty much during international games and pretty much India and IPL we are online and if you would like to write into to us via mail, armchair.cricket at gmail.com. If you would like to contact us via Instagram at armchaircrickpod again. So we would love to hear from you about what you think about our work. Well, it's, it's been a very exhaustive, but a very thorough chat. It's been a real pleasure, Gurkirat. So I would like to thank you once again. And uh, we hope to have you, have you again as a host in one of maybe our upcoming episodes, maybe a month, two months down the line when IPL is all around the corner and we are looking forward to the summer of cricket somewhere in UK. Thanks a lot, Gurkirath. And uh, I wish you all the best going forward, considering where you live in India, and I hear some strong things there. I wish you all the best. Thanks a lot, Gurkirat.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ajit. It was a pleasure being on the show. And uh, yeah, we might have to probably gone overboard than the usual uh, duration, but it's, it's been great fun. Always good to talk.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy.